Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. And there is one. Andrew in the air to right. This has carry. It is gone. First ball, fastball, picking on the first pitch. And it goes out of the ballpark. Three and two again. Upstairs, the Marlins lead. Moncada still at second, two out. Payoff pitch from Puck. He got it. Marlins win the middle game of this series with a furious ninth inning comeback. Yeah, disappointing with this one. You had the lead into the ninth, but unfortunately it did not work out. Here's a deep drive to right center on the run. Tochman back toward the wall. Dives. Did he make the catch? I think he made a fantastic catch. Mike Tochman running full speed, diving backhanded catch. One of the best catchers I've seen in a long, long time. Sensational. Here's the one-two. Out in front, a swing and a miss by Yastrzemski. Strike three, two away. Now, John's down to their last strike, breaking ball. Strike three called, and the ball game is over. And the Cubs have won it by a score of four to nothing. Julian Merriweather works a perfect ninth inning to nail it down. Cubs congratulating one another. Great outing by Kyle Hendricks. We almost saw some baseball history here today, Ron. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, baseball people. Hello, how do you do? On a Sunday in June here in Chicago, we talk baseball in this unique two-team town every Sunday morning and every Saturday morning all year long. Of course, it's inside the clubhouse. Sundays in baseball, I get to be with you for hit and run, and that means you get to be with me and send in your texts and make your calls, and please do so. From the very, very get-go, the Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com, and you can text us, or me, and Sean, so us, at 312-644-6767. 
as we are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Well, we are here until noon with a few guests along the way. Adam Amin on the call for Fox TV last night in San Francisco will join us in about 20 minutes or so. At 11 o'clock, Vinny Duber will join us to talk White Sox. And Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Staff from NBC Sports Chicago, will join us to tie the room together like a good area rug at about 11.40, just before we step aside for CBS Sports Radio. Cubs on the score later on to finish out their road trip. That game will be at 3 p.m. Pre-game on the score is uh, 2.30 right here with uh, Zach Zaidman and Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer bringing you the call. The White Sox and the Marlins will get going at 1.10 p.m. So we've got a chance to talk about everything from yesterday and preview the games today and break down all the stuff that matters. Looking forward to to uh, many, many things uh, along the way, including an hour from now, you'll get to hear Marcus Stroman pretty much in his entirety from a pregame session with the media yesterday in the clubhouse where Marcus Stroman explained a tweet from yesterday as he tries to take control of his own story. So if you're hot to hear that and think about that and talk about that, One hour from now is when we'll do it. First, let's talk about what happened last night and yesterday. Man, I was rooting for Kyle Hendricks to get that no-hitter, weren't you? I mean, really, if if you're a Cub fan, you probably were, of course. But if you're just a if you're a White Sox fan, if you're a baseball fan, Kyle Hendricks is a guy who is very easy to root for. It's simplistic to to say. He doesn't have great stuff, but still is effective in his career because that's not true. He doesn't have great velocity and is still effective in an incredibly impressive career. That is true to say. And the dude has figured out a way and has long ago figured out a way to be effective with what he has. And it's it's always been fun to watch and fun to talk about. I, I found myself Googling articles written by me <laughs> in the Daily Herald in 2014 about Kyle Hendricks. Um, on the Scores old website, two ownership groups ago, I think it was CBSSports.com, in 2016, me writing about Kyle Hendricks. So many conversations with my buddy Barry Rosner on Hit and Run years ago as we cautiously made Greg Maddox comps for Kyle Hendricks in the early stages of his career. Because of the demeanor, because of the precision and the thought process. And Maddox, of course, threw harder. And when you throw harder with all of that, then you have a chance to be Maddox or you have a chance to be Verlander or somebody like that. But Kyle Hendricks has two really good different kinds of fastballs. And with each of them, he has a really good, unique changeup. He's got two of those, too. So the fastball and the changeup are paired together in two different ways to really mess 
with a hitter's timing and eye level. And that's why it's always been so much fun to talk about with him. Then he's got a curveball, which is different and can mess up the timing even more. And that curveball usage has come and gone. But when he's great, as he was last night, it is mechanics that are getting repeated every single time. It is a rhythm and a pace that is just relentless and him in control and a calm that is pervasive that really gets to everybody, all the defense behind him. And he's in full control, full space command. And 11 months after surgery, it, it was so cool to see him back completely in charge of his game and wanted to get that no-hitter done. It did not get done uh, after Mitch Hanniger with a deep drive that Hendricks said later he thought was 10 or 12 rows deep, and instead it goes off the wall. Am I the only one who thought maybe Ian Happ conceded playing that into a double when he could have possibly made a heroic attempt to go to the wall and make the catch? Am I the only one who thought that? I know that's not fair to uh, to an outfielder, but it's the eighth inning of a no-hitter. Go balls out for the ball instead of trying to play it safe off the wall. Am I crazy? Uh, I let out an audible no when he played it off the wall. All right. I thought he had a chance, too. I thought he had a chance. And maybe it wouldn't have got there, but got to take that risk. You sell out, right? I think you got to sell Kyle out. It's Kyle Hendricks. What? It's, it's a no-hitter in the eighth yeah. inning, and you're up four runs. Go go balls out to the wall. But that's, you know, who? it's easy to say when you're sitting in a high-top chair at a poolside table watching on a 60-inch TV outside, which is what I was doing yesterday evening at the in-laws' house out in the Burbs. My goodness. What an atmosphere. Let me say that earlier in the day, I refound my skill set at bags or cornhole, and I have long considered myself the Kyle Hendricks of bags. My mechanics are pristine and repeatable. I just uh, I stay calm. Uh, I tune out the noise. There is no pitch clock on my bags play. And I don't think it's a coincidence that yesterday I refound my groove and on the day that he refound his groove. I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, but look, there's a big, big factor in what Kyle Hendricks did last night that we need to talk about. And Ron Coomer called it yesterday morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Because last time out, Kyle, his stuff was great. His stuff was really, really good against the Padres. But his rhythm and his timing was chaotic. It was off. Do you remember there were three pitch clock violations? Three. Him and Kenley Jansen are the only two pitchers in baseball with three pitch clock violations in a single game this year. And um, it's clear that he wasn't accustomed to the pitch clock because he hadn't really dealt with it on the big league level, uh, obviously, and he dealt with it some on the minor league level as he was coming through and, uh, and doing his rehab starts, but also pitch com. And remember that this year, for the very first time, pitchers can wear the pitch com device on their own body uh, and call their own pitches. Shohei Otani's been doing it all year. Been a controversial thing in Anaheim, actually, because Otani's results have not been great as a pitcher uh, sometimes. And a lot of people think that's because he's calling his own pitches. But Otani works slow, and there is no time with the pitch clock to shake your catcher off a couple of times. And Kyle Hendricks was, does not have time 
to shake his catcher off. And it's not a reflection on Miguel Amaya, who he loves to throw to and love to throw to in rehab. It's just certain guys are good enough, smart enough, and slow enough that they ought to be calling their own pitches. And yesterday, for the first time, as Coomer suggested, Kyle Hendricks was calling his own pitches with the Pitchcom device on his hip, and it changed everything. Here's Hendricks after the game talking about the rhythm and the pace that he had going last night. Felt great. I, I've been feeling good in the you know, last few starts, honestly. Felt like I was catching my rhythm, making a lot of good pitches, and the rhythm today was just better. Rhythm and timing. Got away with some stuff in the beginning, honestly, and then really kind of hit my stride in about the fourth or fifth. But some great plays out there from the guys. Talk, man, unbelievable play just to keep things going there. Nico, a few great plays at second. Madge even over there. There were just good defense. Got to do a better job of getting ahead a little bit. Still some things to improve and work on, but definitely feeling good about it. So uh, Kyle Hendricks using his own pitch com, calling his own pitches was huge. Miguel Amaya, his catcher, talked about being on the same page with Kyle as they were in a rehab start or two and as they obviously were last night. In innings, we were, you know, like getting the same page where he won the targets, where he won, uh, like, to uh, set up and, you know, like uh, – we were in that page, we were like in the same page kind of uh, reading those swings by the batters. They were like getting on top of the play. Sometimes they were like backing up on the, on the play. So uh, I was watching that too. So just uh, giving that little heads up to him. So, so when he, we was going out to the next inning, so he can prepare himself like to make the rock pitch. So Miguel Amaya speaking to some things that are part of being a catcher that don't involve calling pitches. And it's a huge deal, setting up in the right spot, knowing where the target is. Hendricks credited Amaya for um, adjusting because people hitters were crowding the plate, so he sets up a little bit more inside, and that kind of gets in the mind of the hitters. Like, oh, boy, he really is coming right at me. And um, Hendricks said that was a big deal. So calling your own pitches is not necessarily a reflection that you don't trust your catcher. It's just pitchers taking control of the situation. Love that. We can talk more about it later on. Um, let's, let's flip the script and look at the White Sox, who came in doing very well. I think they had won six out of seven and seven out of nine coming into yesterday, and things have been good. They had no errors in nine straight games as a defense. The bullpen hadn't given up a run in four games. Overall, the last 30 days, they've had the second-best ERA of any pitching staff in baseball. It's been a good run for the White Sox, and especially the pitchers, starters, and relievers. Everybody's been nails. Everybody. It's been insane. And yesterday, there were two really good innings after, um, I guess it was three innings total, after Michael Kopech went five from Gregory Santos and Ronaldo Lopez. So on a day when Kendall Graveman wasn't available and Liam Hendricks wasn't available, Joe Kelly was given the ninth and it did not go well. You heard the bases loaded walk. Kelly loaded the bases with nobody out. And then there was the bases loaded walk, but that came after this play, which we have to talk about. This is bases loaded, nobody out. One nothing game, White Sox only able to get the one run on the Vaughn Homer are clinging to a one run game and asking a lot. You asking a lot of the bullpen and the defense, 
And Kelly set up the trouble, and then Tim Anderson cemented a bad result from the trouble. 0-2, little hesitation on the ground, up the middle. Tim and Short can't handle it. The tying run is home here in the ninth. Well, Tim was going to come home with it, and he was throwing before he had the baseball. He was looking up to see if he had a shot. That shot was Davis, and it's E6. I mean, it's a play that normally he would make. This time he did not. It's a 1-1 game. Easiest play of the day for Tim, and this one bounces off the glove. You see him, he's not looking at the baseball. And just when you start to take something for granted in this game, it does jump up to bite you. So the only thing that I disagree with there with is Stoney saying Tim would normally make that play because we've seen several examples where he doesn't of a very, very similar play. Here's May the 18th against Cleveland and a ground ball to Tim. On the ground, up the middle. Tim has to wait for it, and it gets on by. Cleveland gets a run on a bobble at shortstop. It's E6, and it's 2-1. Tim is trying to throw this ball home before he had the baseball. Takes his eye off it, and the go-ahead run scores. He's going to get him at the plate if he fields it cleanly. So almost the same exact play. Here's the 12th inning against Minnesota on the 4th of May. First pitch from Colome is a chopper left side, and it gets by Tim Anderson. It was a head-first slide by Larnick. He gets up, he runs home, and off the error, the Twins take the lead. Tim is looking to make the play at third base, and I think that's what it took to get by him. This is not a good base running play by Larnick because he's going to be out at third if Tim fields it. He does not. He scores. And that is the go-ahead run. So that's May 4th. Before that, May 18th. Before that, you heard yesterday. That is three plays where he's trying to make the throw before he has the ball. He made a great play on Friday night in a very, very similar situation. A play that Pedro Grafal later said won the White Sox the game. Here's that play. 1-1. On the ground, hit to short. Tim's throw home. Got him. That was not an easy play because it came off the end of the bat with a lot of spin. And Tim, even flat-footed, was able to make the play at the plate. He almost got handcuffed yep. by that. Nice work by Tim. So that was a great play. And those, it was a much more difficult play. It's the easy ones and the loss of focus and the rushing. Here's Tim Anderson after the game talking about the error yesterday. I think I just, uh, you know, tried to rush the throw. Um, you, know, I knew, you know, I knew I had a fast run at third. Um, I just really tried to rush it. Uh, and just it up. So he tried to rush it and he effed it up. It's too bad, man. You know what it reminds me of? Reminds me of a quarterback who loses his composure when he's rolling uh, to his right or to his left. It reminds me a little of Mitch Trubisky running out of bounds instead of just throwing the ball away and saving himself six yards on a sack. 
I mean, there's there's a million different things, right? It's 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 human. It's 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 Zach Levine taking a two when you need a three, and there's still eight seconds on the shot clock. You know, I mean, you you pick your comp. It's losing control just a little bit. It happens to all of us. But this is professional sports. So here's the question. Next time that there's a one-run game in the ninth inning and Elvis Andrews has been at second base, do you move him to shortstop as a defensive replacement and put Romy Gonzalez in at second? I do. Does that offend uh, Tim, Tim Anderson? So be it. It's professional sports. Does that motivate him to figure out a way, maybe, to become more trustworthy so he doesn't have to have that happen in his career? Hopefully, that is a version of the Luis Robert benching. I am a fan of punitive coaching. It should happen more often in sports. It's one of the only things you got, and it also protects yourself. Elvis Andrus, at his age, as a defensive replacement at shortstop, feels a little counterintuitive, but I just played you three errors in less than a calendar month. I guess a little more than a calendar month. So, problematic stuff, uh, for sure. Offense needs to get better for the White Sox to uh, pair with the incredible pitching and what has been stable defense. Great catch by Gavin Sheets yesterday, by the way, out in right field. Anyway, we'll have time to discuss all of this. And 10 o'clock hour will be a lot of room for your phone calls and your texts as well. But let's um, talk to Adam Amin, who had the perch in San Francisco above the Cubs and the Giants yesterday. And we'll join us next on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. But uh, you still want to play your best players. Matt Mervis, the rookie, and swings one. and drills one deep to right field. This one is way back and gone. Third career big league home run for Matt Mervis, and it's a 1-0 Cubs lead. Put him in the right spot. That's, that's good. That's, ma- that's great managing. Yeah, good managing, yeah. Obviously. First hit for the Cubs, or first base runner is a solo blast. He does not miss this at all. Over 400 feet, bounces into the cove. Fox TV last night, Adam Amin on the call, along with Eric Karras 
and some David Ross in there with a well-timed, at least I put him in the right spot. Yeah, he did. Let's talk about it. Let's uh, bring in Adam Amin right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Adam, hello. Good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, doing wonderful, Matty. Good to talk to you as always, my friend. You too, man. Are you still out there? Are you in Frisco or up early this morning? Sitting at gate F17 right now, about to board this flight over here. And so you'll you'll hear a little bit of background noise, I'm sure, of a uh, lovely SFO this morning. All right. So what does a, uh, a multifaceted human like Amin do? Does he look for a DJ uh, set last night in Frisco that would inspire his future endeavors. Does he go have ha, Does he go have dinner with Karos? Does he just go and chill out in the hotel? You know, tell tell a friend. Last night was a chill out at the hotel type of night. After uh, you know, it's you know what this is like too, Maddie, from your travels over the years of kind of like the West Coast timing. Always message with you, yeah, because you get used to it by the by like day two, and that's the last day. So I'm trying to like get back on normal time. Uh, in terms of sleeping and all that good stuff, so it's a weird, just a just a strange thing to try to navigate through. But again, very fun first world problems to have to deal with on a on a Sunday afternoon after a, a fun Saturday. Yeah, no, I, 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 absolutely. So Matt Mervis in a good spot with Miguel Amaya hitting behind him. As you were talking to David Ross, does does do you get the sense that he he cares about protection in a lineup uh, in, in in that way? I think right now it's hard because this is a lineup that doesn't have a, a player that really scares you at the moment, right? And, and you've seen it in May when Suzuki was hot, when uh, Morell came up and he was scorching right out of the game, when Bellinger was still healthy, you know, and he was hitting pretty well in the middle of that order. I think the structure mattered a little bit more than it does right now. When guys were slumping, when guys were trying to find their way, when you're mixing and matching when guys are scratched like Suzuki was yesterday. Originally, you know, I think this was uh, reported by, you know, Megan and Maddie and, and uh, Patrick and everybody that was out there. But uh, basically, you know, Suzuki was in the original lineup and then was scratched just, uh, you know, dealing with some things, nothing injury related. Uh, David Ross said, so, you know, it happens all the time, but you know, there are guys in this lineup that who are you really looking at and fearing it on a consistent basis? And I think getting guys at bats to keep their confidence up is a big thing that David Ross has been talking about. And I know that's kind of more of an ethereal thing. There's not a lot of mechanical when it comes to, you know, talking about some of these younger players that are trying to figure it out offensively. But I think right now it's just about at bats, about repetitions for a lot of these guys. You know, you heard it when Nick Madrigal got called back up. They're trying to get him at bats every day. It seemed like he was doing well at AAA because he was getting – consistent opportunities to play and that seemingly feels more like the case right now than it is about you know true lineup construction and putting the right guy in this spot you know to protect this particular player I don't think they're at that point right now and that's not a luxury that they can really afford I think at this point when you're struggling offensively yeah you know it's so tempting conversationally to declare the Cubs bad and now a seller at the deadline but it's just not time to do that yet, uh, you know, from the front office perspective and from David Ross's perspective to deal with. And obviously those people, those entities can get there at different times, but it, it's desperation time to try and win as many games over the next five weeks and see if you can change that uh, feeling of inevitability. So 
I, it feels like Ross is just kind of going for it. Look at Mike Talkman leading off. Let's say, you know, Morell's been 0 for 22. That's all right. Let's go ahead and put him up there at three, you know, like just go for it. Uh, it oh, who's been good in high leverage? Julian Merriweather. All right, you get the ninth. Here you go. Like that kind of thing. It's, it's time to, t- to shoot your shots and get wins if, if you can, any way you can. Yeah, best player uh, in the best spots, right? Just try to put your best guys or the guys that need it the most in a position to try to get into a groove. And again, this is a fickle sports, right? Speaking like this happens with teams consistently across the league, over 162 game schedules, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. Everybody's aware of that. Can you get hot at the right time? And can you do it in a division where frankly, who in this division is really scaring you as well? You know, I, I think Milwaukee's got some really good talent in its offense. Obviously their pitching is great. And they've got some offensive talent. But, you know, after Rowdy Telez and Willie Adonis, are you really scared of anybody in the lineup? Maybe or maybe not, but you still have to at least game plan for them. The Cardinals right now, you still have to game plan for Arenado and Goldschmidt and a couple guys in that lineup. Like, you still have to game plan for certain players. So, for the Cubs, if they can just get guys into a groove at the same time, which seemingly was the case, you know, in early May, you know, when hopefully Bellinger comes back relatively soon and they get a little bit of pop back in this order, on a consistent basis, I, I think you can win, you know, a decent amount of games because nobody in this division feels like they're good enough to sustain fully just yet. There's talent in this division, as we talked about with St. Louis, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh's got some good pieces. Uh, since uh, uh, Milwaukee's got some solid pieces as well. Cincinnati's young and energetic, but you can get wins in this division. And I don't know how many wins it's going to take to win this, but it doesn't right now feel like a 95 win team is going to take the NL central. Does it to you? And and if it, if it does, please share with me. It just doesn't feel like that. (laughs) No way, man. I mean, the brewers have put up three runs in 19 innings against Oakland this weekend. Yeah. Um, And, it, I mean, it's it's and the Pirates have won seven out of ten and are now tied with the Brewers uh, atop the division. But no, I think this is an 86, 87 win team uh, at the top of the division, and that 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 technically could still be uh, the Cubs. Talking to Adam Amin from Fox Sports, um, how much how much fun was it to watch Kyle Hendricks in full control, calling his own pitches? with Pitchcom for the first time in his life. Uh, not many pitchers have done it since this is the first year it can be done, but he talked about the rhythm and the pace after the game. He just he just was so in control of that one, had the game on a string. I mean, this was, this was vintage Kyle Hendricks, right? Not a lot of velocity. Eric pointed out a couple times, didn't have a single pitch 90 miles an hour or, or harder, and was just able to locate and, and sequence and mix, and, and that's what the best pitchers do when it's not necessarily all about arm talent. That's that's what the smartest pitchers do. That's that's why he is who he is. That's why he has the reputation that he does. And I mean, he was sequencing to the point where he was starting guys off with breaking balls that he hadn't really thrown all all game long. You know, these big sweepers. I think it was Conforto uh, in the eighth inning where he's swinging first pitch, and it's the best breaking ball we've seen. It was the third one he busted out all day. You know, he had a, a, uh, a bat against Tyro Estrada where all of a sudden he, he threw four change-ups in a row. And it just felt like that was vintage Kyle Hendricks. And it was great to see, obviously, too, from the emotional side of it as well, coming back from injury, still trying to find his way. He was you know, a little good, a little bad in, in those first few outings. And 
you know, this is a San Francisco lineup that does have guys that are hitting really well. Lamont Wade is a really, really good strike zone control guy. Tyro Estrada is having a career season. You know, Conforto has had a really hot last three weeks. Uh, there, there are guys in that lot. You know, Jock, Jock Peterson had the best game of his career against the Cubs on, uh, on Friday night. So there are guys in that lineup that you got to really be careful with. And Kyle Hendricks was commanding from the start. It was efficient. You know, and, and that's the other thing about his performance. You can tell how good he felt with his command and with his mechanics because if you're throwing first pitch changeups and guys are swinging and just beating it into the ground and it's not one guy, it's four, five, six, seven guys that have done that over the course of the game, that means you're tunneling your pitches really well. And it is really difficult to pick up exactly what you're throwing from the batter's box. So I, that was as good of a performance as you could ask for. It's one of the best performances in baseball this season outside of getting a, you know, a couple of complete game shutouts uh, from, from guys. That was just really fun to watch and to see the emotion he had a few weeks ago when he came back and to see it translate just a few starts later. That's, that was really cool. Um, Adam, I, I love the way you do what you do. I'm a huge fan of play-by-play. I'm a student of it, uh, a vague practitioner of it, having done 12 innings stretched out over 12 games over three seasons uh, with the Cubs. I just started a podcast for anybody who doesn't know called the PBP, where I get to talk to play-by-play people. Where, where does that ballpark rank in terms of beauty and comfort for you as a broadcaster, you've, you've worked in so many ballparks when you're sitting in that perch right above home plate with the Bay and right field, like it is it top five is it top 10. Where does that spot rank for you? It, it, it's top five. Uh, you know, no, I, I love Wrigley just because I, I grew up going there. Yep. So naturally I'm going to have some level of affinity towards it. Um, but San Francisco, Dodger stadium, uh, Wrigley, I'll be at Fenway on Saturday, you know, this, this coming Saturday. I love being at Fenway just because of the nostalgia and the history of it. Uh, but, but, you know, PNC in Pittsburgh's beautiful. Bush Stadium has a, has a lovely feel for it uh, when you get into the fall. But, you know, you get to the summertime, you get the nice weather, you get a great Saturday afternoon. It is very difficult to be at and Park, even if it is a, a pitcher-friendly park and you don't always see, you know, significant offense, you know, game to game to game. You're not seeing – you know, a barrage of home runs despite what we saw yesterday. Like, you're not seeing a bunch of home runs. It's still just got such a great feel, and it lends itself to great pitching performances. So when you have a game like that, on a day like that, at a park like that, there was a lot of elements to yesterday that made it really fun, and it's another reminder why Oracle is such a great ballpark to visit. So if you have I, I, I'm sure you would say the same. If you haven't gone, you're a baseball fan, and you just want a, a great ballpark to go to, uh, to experience, I, I highly recommend a weekend in San Francisco. It's a great place. Yeah, I, I, I'd only been there once, uh, several years ago, um, and, and and never sat up there at press level. Um, up there, it, it's quirky with those the triples alley is is what mm-hmm. Hendricks called it, right? Like the the quirks, the quirks really make it more interesting and more fun, but not not necessarily more difficult um, to to navigate. Although, it, is it left field? Or right field that's tougher there for the outfielders. Oh, right center is is where four fifty. So it goes four fifteen. It used to be four twenty one, wow. and then they changed it. They brought the fence in and they call it triples alley or right speed. Uh, they changed it to four fifteen, which is the area code, I believe, too. Right, uh, <laughs> or, or something like that. There, there's like something like that. So they changed the they 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 brought the fences in, and it's still, you know, if you're a 
right, you know, power hitting pole hitter from the left side, or you're a guy that likes to serve the ball the other way from the right side, you know, this, that's a really great ballpark to be able to hit in. If you got speed, you know, this is why a guy like Lamont Wade is having a really good year. It's a guy who can hit some doubles. He pulls the ball, he punishes it to right center and he ends up turning it into a lot of extra base hits. So you know, that, that ballpark has, has helped out a lot of guys. It is quirky. You know, the, the cutouts in, the, in left center, triples alley in right center, you know, the huge wall in right that, you know, uh, Morell and Mervis were able to clear. Morell just at the top of that wall. And then you got McCovey Cove out in right field where you get the splash hit. It's, it's just really, it, it's what makes baseball great, right? The, the unique aspects of these parks. You know, the, the infield is pretty much the same, but you have more room at certain places behind the, the plate. You have, you know, the, the, I know the bullpens down the left and right field lines are going, you know, the way the dodo at this point, as is that phrase, by the way, the way the dodo. But, you know, there, there's, there's just this, this great, the, the quirks are what makes it, man. And yeah. it's so much fun to, to, to you know, and that, it makes for great defense. That's why Mike Kaufman, you know, that play that he made is so cool. Yeah. Know, to, because you have that cork in right center field. So, I asked this in segment one. I don't think I'm the only one. I wanted Ian Happ to go balls out and go flying into that wall and try to make that catch. You can't concede the double and play it off the wall in a no-hitter in the eighth inning? Come on! I, I was hoping that there would be some, at least some second effort, you know, to, to get there. It would have been – it would have been he goes all out to try to make the catch. Yeah. And he has to reach his left arm up and hope that he snares it on its trajectory, yeah. and it would have been one of the greatest no-hitter saving plays yes. in Major League history had it taken place. And you got a 4 nothing lead. You know, yes. you have a cushion to be able to make a play like that. Yes! Can you imagine? <laughs> and then you'd have you'd have the Talkman catch and the Hap catch yes. forever and in the highlight reel of, of the no-hitter. I mean, you got to... But I, I, he's hot. I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I know, and I'm not like I'm not blaming Ian Hap. Me neither. If I if I could have if I could have turned back time, I would have liked to see like to have seen that effort yeah, in that game just to see if it were possible to make that play. Yeah, I just realized I am blaming Ian Happ. I am, and it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not nice. <laughs> you know, I can't I, I can't make any plays out there myself. I'd say you know let's let's all just admit what what where we yeah, are. I mean, like, you know? Who are we? But. We're ba- we're fans. Yes, you know, we're baseball fans. Yes, yeah, sir. Um, so you get Fenway, you get Red Sox, Yankees, man, again, right? Yeah, Whew. yeah, coming up this weekend. So they're going to go at it. Obviously, they'll they'll play tonight again in the, uh, in New York, and I'll watch. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's it's been so good that that series. Endeavors homering off Garrett Cole again. He's got seven homers off him. It's it, it's it's outrageous. Yeah, unreal on it. Ridiculous, but uh, enjoy that one and safe travels. And thanks for the time on a Sunday morning, man. You got it, brother. Appreciate you. All right, you got it. It's Adam Amin right there. Yeah, I mean, do we have Garrett Cole talking about Rafael Devers? I think we do. We'll play it when we come back. Um, so we're gonna get to Marcus Stroman at the top of the hour. Some very important stuff um, for people to hear, I think, and that'll be a backdrop for a conversation. But I referenced that Red Sox-Yankees thing. A couple notes from around the league, including uh, an absolute broadcast legend proving that he can take a punch. We'll do that next. It's Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. He'll fly that one pretty well hit. Left center field, McKinney and Connor Falefa. And that ball is going to be out of here. Home run. Raffi Devers got it over the wall and into the bullpen. 
as he went to the opposite field for a blast off a guy he has done it against before Garrett Cole. I mean seriously Rafael Devers homers Friday he homered yesterday again. He'll try to homer again today as the Red Sox and the Yankees play a rubber game this afternoon. You're listening to Hit and Run. It's me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on 670 The Score. Marcus Stroman spoke extensively about his uh, contract situation uh, before the game yesterday. We've got the audio of that. We'll play it for you at the top of the hour. But Devers homers there off Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's really, really good, but he can't seem to get Rafael Devers out Listen to Garrett Cole talk about that yesterday. Yeah, they paid him $300 million for a reason. He's a good player, man. He's just a good player, and um, I haven't come across any other player quite like him. So Nine for 33 with seven homers and 16 RBIs in 37 plate appearances. Uh, so he's like their Matt Carpenter. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. And, boy, I know Rickon really wanted Rafael Devers. And Michael Kopech and the Chris Sale trade. You know, you know what he wanted? He wanted either Devers or Benintendi. And the Red Sox said, no, how about Moncada? And Moncada, pretty good for a while. But not Devers. Not Devers. He's, he's really, really good. Uh, during yesterday's game, after Devers had homered again, Justin Turner of the Red Sox was doing an in-game interview talking about Devers. This was uh, before Devers homered. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. You, you hear it? There he is. Oh, hey, look at this. On kill, Justin. There we go. Huh? Well, now I don't get to talk about him. Sorry, guys. What, just very quickly. You love the guy? Oh, he's great. He's unbelievable. And watching him get to hit every day is, is something that's pretty special. He's got power to all fields. You saw what he did last night. Change up down the zone, going in the bullpen in left center. It's, uh, it's pretty special. We'll go to break. We'll let you go tell him a nice play. Appreciate the time, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> Turner, uh, in the midst of a game, love when something happens in the middle of the game and love how often players are doing in-game interviews like that. Justin Turner at the plate. Is this also yesterday's game? Uh, Turner at, at the plate in this game, and John Sterling on the Yankees radio call, uh, showing he can take a punch. At the belt. And now the 3-2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. And the 3-2 is grounded foul. (laughs) I I need to hear the ow again in the middle. A pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. How did you not know? You, oh. <laughs> you're watching the game, man. Man, it's was he 82? He's, he's, he's an old a, man. He's, he's an older he's man. He's at least 80. Freaking legend. A pop foul back here. Ow. 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. <laughs> oh, God. Poor guy, man. Poor guy. 
Oh, that's incredible. Oh. <laughs> Ow. Ow. I'm glad he's okay. Baseballs can hurt. There's not many spots in the ballpark where you're exposed to a foul ball hitting you flush like that anymore. So, man, you gotta you gotta be careful. Be careful out there, people. Be careful out there, broadcasters. Uh, speaking of broadcasters, I mentioned to Adam Amin the PBP. Uh, you can grab it on the Odyssey app or on Apple Podcasts. I'm really proud of this project and proud of the uh, where this is going. Um, episode one was Joe Buck. Episode two is Jason Benetti, and that's the one that's out there now. And I wanted to bring this to you because I had asked him, I had asked Benetti about what I thought was just a beautiful moment during the pandemic-shortened season when Lucas Giolito threw the no-hitter. And it was a night where my wife and I were playing cards and drinking wine with the White Sox game on. And then as Giolito kept going, trying to finish what Kyle Hendricks could not quite finish last night, you know, you focus more and more on the game. And with nobody in the stands, it ended up being... I think the best baseball moment of, of that year. So I asked Jason Benetti about the emotions of calling that game. It was, it was as emotional as I've been about a game probably ever <laughs> because I knew how much not being at games meant to some people who had opening day streaks broken and all that stuff. I mean, we, we were living in a really, really curious, questionable, where are we going to go from here as a society kind of time? I mean, there was just so much in all of our hearts and it was just sitting right below the surface. And that moment, that inning, that whole thing and great job by our crew to stay for Lucas coming back out to the mound in the ninth inning. We just totally banged a break and didn't do it. Mm. And just to watch him go through all of that with the backdrop of him being truly, and he'd tell you, the worst pitcher in baseball and as a starter in 2018. Yes. Yes. Like the fact that he had worked so hard to get to that point, it's just we all felt like him, I think, in some ways. Like we all were going through the worst years of our lives. Mm -hmm. And then this guy who just had the worst year of his life two years ago made the <laughs> best moment of the season. Yeah, it's great, great stuff. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation. I love Benetti. I'm so excited for the PBP and the guest this week. I, I should I tell people who it is? Ooh, I'm I'm curious. Well, look, it's somebody who does Major League Baseball play by play. Oh no way! It might be somebody who got hit with a foul ball yesterday. No, it's not actually. But if I did interview John Sterling this week, it would only be about getting hit with a foul ball. No, it's it's Dave Sims of the Seattle Mariners. Who oh, I awesome. That guy is the coolest. I. I I had so much fun talking to that guy, and I, his story is is absolutely incredible. So uh, make sure you go find the PBP on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. But look, in, in a few minutes, we'll, we'll come back after the break and play Marcus Stroman on his contract. And we've got a wide-open hour in terms of your phone calls and your involvement as well. So I'm looking forward to that. But I need to hear John Sterling get hit with a foul ball one more time before we go to break. Thank you. A pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It 
really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. Oh, my God. Did I say I only needed to hear it once? I lied. A pop foul back here. Ow. 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, John. We know he's okay. He kept calling the game. Texture is right. That's why the Cubs have the Coom Dog. Ron Coomer snags those foul balls to the booth with his cat-like third base reflexes. That's how you protect the Hall of Famer, that, man. Yes, yes. Pat Hughes knows what's going on. Where's Susan Waldman at a time like this? Come on, Susan. All right, one more time, and then you can break. A pop foul back here. Ow. really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.